Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. Today I have a really important guest on that I've had on in the past, and I learned so much from her, and I know my listeners did as well. And I wanted to have Ms. Chris Ann Hall come back because I wanted to have a logical and knowledgeable conversation about the immigration uh, issue that's going on in the country. You know, a couple of weeks ago I had a gentleman on who came over to the country legally, and is now a professor and is really in the forefront of trying to understand and explain what it means to be an immigrant in our in our society. And as I told him, my dad came over from Antigua and it took him, you know, years to get here because he had to be sponsored. And we understand that immigration is one of the most important things that makes our country what it is. But I think we've taken some sort of detour where it's become a weapon and it's become an issue to divide as opposed to an issue to bring us together. And I wanted to have Ms. Hall come on to really delve into the immigration system as it stands, what she believes in terms of how we can make it better, and is this just politics that's playing out? I know those are those are the broad things I want to touch on, but I first wanted to thank you so much for coming on. Um, Ms. Ms. Hall is the president of Liberty First University, and she is a speaker. She has her own talk show and somebody who's spoken to people across the country about many issues about liberty, which I think it all really boils down to. So thank you, Ms. Hall, so much for coming on. I love having you on. Thank you. It is really my pleasure. I'm excited to be here again. And I want to thank everybody uh, who listens for uh, being dedicated and interested in truth. Yeah, it, it's actually being... I think truth is being demonized in a way that if you want to seek the truth, what, you know, whatever side you're on, trying to find the truth has been something very elusive. And if you ask questions, instead of people wanting to give you answers, they want to shut you down. And I know that you're on the forefront. And let's start off by, by that first. Are people, what is it like for you that you're talking, speaking truth to power, especially when it comes to constitutional issues? Are you getting a lot of pushback? Are you finding that people overall are hungry, like my listeners are, for the truth? You know, it, it's it's really a mixed bag. It depends on where you are and who you're speaking to. Those who are in power definitely want to avoid that kind of truth, and they don't want uh, they don't want anybody knowing it. So mm-hmm. the pushback usually comes from the people who are trying to hold on to power, uh, or or those who are unwilling to to accept that maybe what they've been taught for a really long time is simply not true. You know, anything that, that sort of shakes the foundation of those who rely on on the so-called experts and the expertise mm-hmm. and the education system, those, those, those people are more resistant than others. But I can tell you that the, um, the desire for truth is growing in America. It's actually becoming more and more... Um, how do I put this? Uh, people are getting more excited about stuff like that. And uh, I can tell you that our crowds are getting bigger, but more so our crowds are getting younger. And we're also seeing an, 
a resurgence of those in uh, the ecclesiastics who are who are beginning to notice the the either the active or the potential oppression of, of religious liberties. So we have the young people waking up in, in waves. We have the churches becoming active in waves. And I would have to say, I think in all of that, the most frustrating thing is is watching the enthusiasm as I teach, but then noticing that people are still too comfortable uh, to break out of their comfort zones and become as active as necessary to actually make the changes. Well, do you think that they're afraid of being labeled? I mean, this is, I think language has become a weapon in our society. Things that have meaning that everybody understood are now being changed, like, you know, <laughs> everything. And, and and if you're painted as somebody who hates, hates speech or, you know, the, 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 the Nazi word, which is being bandied about, like, Nobody knows what it really means. Well, the people who's talking about it don't know what it really means. But it makes other people, because they're polite and because they've been raised in such a way not to, you know, it's better to go along than to make an argument. I think that people are losing this argument because they're unwilling to stand up for what's right. Well, there is a courage issue. That is true. I think it depends on which generation you're talking to as far as the labeling goes. But mm -hmm. I just simply think that, um, it's not so much the label, it's just simply you stepping outside of your, your daily box. You know, I, I work hard every day, I come home and I want to relax, I want to watch TV, I want to have a beer, I want to watch the game. We, we're so busy with this after school activity and this, you know, family endeavor that, that people just simply don't want to, to have to do anything more. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and still there's this miseducation and, and misinformation that to actually make change, all I have to do is vote once every <laughs> two years or once every four years. But uh, voting is not how you make changes in government. It's not even how you become a responsible member of a community. Voting is the least that you can do. It's what you do every other day of the year that really matters. So, I, again, uh, our founders described it as a, unavoidable interval of inattentiveness based on uh, becoming lazy and luxury and pacified and prosperity and complacent and compliant within their comforts. That's a very good point. And, and, you know, if you don't protect it, it's not something that just happens, is it? You have to actually work at maintaining your liberty. And every little piece that you give up, I think, well, I think it's very hard to get back, frankly. And letting somebody else control it not you as the individual is why I think to me what gets people in trouble too. Someone else will handle it. I can just sit back. Someone has my best interest at heart. That's not the case. Yeah. Well, the the real thing here is that in order that America is built on the principle of self-governance and self-governance requires what our founders called uh, the, the jealousy of the people to their own liberties, which drives uh, the, um, eternal vigilance, uh, we've just simply, we, we have been educated into an ignorance that we no longer are vigilant because we don't even know what we're supposed to be vigilant about. And since we're not, we're not vigilant, then we're not, you know, I mean, if, if you can't do anything, then what is there to do? And that's what our education system has been teaching us for over 150 years now is to just simply, you know, they, you can't do anything but vote. Mm -hmm. And 
we have a situation now where the people simply don't understand the power they possess and the duty that they possess within that power. Well, you know, I think there's there's two arguments to be made, I think, on that. I think we're seeing a lot of more people get out there and try to access the system and make it work for them. But it's very asymmetric because people who are, and we can paint a broad brush on this one, people are more for liberty are the ones that have the least, everybody's coming after them, whether it's getting rid of a Facebook account or Antifa attacking people who are, you know, there peacefully. And it's a one-sided thing. And if anybody stands up for themselves, they're the bully. I mean, that's something that well, we Well, but this is, this is not something that's happened overnight. Mm. Okay, that's the one thing that we have to recognize. We've created our own reality over decades. And what we're actually seeing now is is the product of many, many years of inattentiveness and many, many years of apathy and many, many years of miseducation. And so I think the misconception that we see is a lot of people thinking, oh, this is something that's brand new. This is something that, that you know, we that is just happening. And my goodness, look how egregious it is. Mm-hmm. Well, in reality, it's been building for a long time. And I think the error in that misconception, you know, that, that right now kind of thinking uh, gives us a, a, a right now kind of solution mentality, which is never going to happen. You can't turn this around overnight. It's not going to happen with a snap of the fingers. It's going to take it's going to take just as much work to turn around as it did time to get here. And so that's that's the problem that I see. And we've become uh, dissociated and dis- disillusioned. And I think because of our lack of education, we've become overwhelmed. Right. So the most asked question I get as I travel around is, what do we do to fix this? Mm -hmm. Well, the answer to that question is, if we've been teaching properly for the last 150 years, we'd already know what to do. We don't have to invent anything. We don't have to figure anything out. The solutions are exactly the same as they were when we ratified the Constitution. We've just forgotten what they were and we don't teach them anymore. Well, what's the, I know we've got to take a break in a few seconds, but give us a teaser. What's the first thing that we can go back and 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 revisit well it, it begins with an education from the you know from from the very foundation we've got to learn uh from from the very beginning where does our constitution come from how were our states created how was the constitution created what is the purpose of the constitution how was the federal government created what its role and what is its duty i actually have a book called sovereign duty that lays out what the founders' solution to an overgrown, out-of-control federal government is. Because this this government that we have today didn't take those who drafted the Constitution by surprise. Mm-hmm. They actually planned for it. The problem is, once again, we don't teach what we're supposed to teach, so we don't even know what it is that we're supposed to be doing. And so the book Sovereign Duty uh, helps reacquaint us with that solution that they put in place over 250 years ago. On that note, let's take our first break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. You're listening to Medicine on Call, where healthcare, business, and current events connect. Are you having problems with persistent bad breath, constant throat clearing, hoarseness, a cough that won't go away? a sore throat, or a feeling that something's always stuck in your throat? Why not find out what the problem is so it can be fixed? At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking time to work with our patients as a team to get to the root of the problem. 
Make an appointment today to see why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Ms. Chris Ann Hall, author, uh, talk show host, a uh, patriot, and somebody who's trying to educate us, the entire country, frankly, about how we get our power back. I love what you said about being able to go back and really know what the foundation of our country was. I think we spend, I think it's been hijacked, frankly, because the textbooks are all about how somebody took something from somebody. It's a victimhood fest, basically, where it seems like if you read this, nothing's changed. We've just still living in, you know, pre-Jim Crow, slavery, you name it. And no, there's no ignition that, yeah, we had a horrible existence at one point, but it's not that way anymore. And it can be even better if we work together. And do you think that that is how the history of the Constitution has been, it's been changed because it's been all about what the founding fathers took from other people, how the country is based on an only thing it's based on, but it doesn't look at any other country who have well, done you're not you're not going back far enough, ah, actually. The, the, okay. the transformation in the education about the Constitution began in 1833, hmm. and it was uh, a, a transformation intentional to remove us from the solution and the greatest check and balance of federal power, which which rests within the power of the people through their state and local government. And that began in in literally in one self swoop when we changed out textbooks in 1833. And that's what lays the path for the rest of the history that you um, that you recount. What we have to recognize is even that histor- historical context that you laid there is not actually accurate. Mm-hmm. And so our history has been rewritten even from the most recent instances. And so if we if we go back, we have uh, at Liberty First University, we have a course called Slavery and the American Founders, which uh, teaches how uh, the the, the debates that our founders had while they were ratifying the Constitution on the conclusion of slavery, how do we get rid of slavery in America, and then what the Constitution actually did to end slavery. Mm-hmm. And then my husband has a class called More Than Victims, which teaches America's hidden black history about the the hundreds of men and women who were free, uh, businessmen, politicians, businesswomen, mm-hmm. uh, patriots, heroes, soldiers, prior to the Emancipation Proclamation, and that the the teaching that that Lincoln freed the black people was is just simply another uh, part of this 1833 teaching that that the American people would not be free without the federal government, that the federal government is the the god of all, the, the provider and the protector of all, and that's simply not true. I think this, I think you're absolutely right. Wow, I didn't even know that. So unless we really educate ourselves, we're doomed to take on, you know, just whatever they want us to believe. It's all about divide and conquer. So there is really, really – That's exactly right. Ah, so the, basically there's no impetus to really – 
tell the truth because if we all realize that we're all in it together, whatever happened wasn't what exactly what they told us happened happened. That yeah. makes people look yeah, at Thomas things differently. Yeah, Thomas Paine said it. Yeah, Thomas Paine said it's not in numbers that we gather our strength, but in unity, and that's what we're missing in America. That's why the whole thing is about divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. Divide the people based on geography. Divide the people based on economics. Divide the people based on uh, race. Yeah, well, that's isn't that the Alinsky method? I mean, that's not. Yeah, just... well, but it goes beyond. I mean, Alinsky just simply pointed out the mechanisms of human nature mm-hmm. and the mechanisms of, of those in power since the beginning of time. And and so we've got to get. <laughs> I I hate to keep saying this, but we we've become too contemporary in our thinking, mm. and we've got to get beyond that and go back to deeper and further and understand the very natures of human nature that those who gave us the Constitution understood. Well, how do we get, and again, it's about language, the Constitution has been under assault from members of Congress who are saying all sorts of things that serve them, honestly, but don't serve anybody else. I mean, getting rid of the Electoral College, I mean, what is up with that? Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> well, again, I mean, once again, it, it, it it's convenient to point our fingers at Washington, D.C., but if the truth be told, congressmen could say a whole bunch of things that aren't true, uh, and the the American people would never accept it, never believe it, and and never allow it to be part of politics if we had if we ourselves were educated. And that's the problem. We have we first number one, we've turned our children over to government education for so long, and we are surprised that our children no longer understand self governance but understand politics uh, and political divisions, and they grow up thinking that the government is the, the protector and provider of all humanity. And so our government was never supposed to be involved in education. As a matter of fact, if you look at the history of the American education, um, the American people were actually more literate prior <laughs> to government-established education. And I'm talking minorities as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So this is a problem that, that we have to deal with from the get-go. We have an issue now where where we are not educated, so we can't recognize when the politicians are speaking lies. Mm-hmm. And they're actually so well-trained and crafted in the way that they speak, the way that they speak, that that they do it in such a way that it appeals to whatever divide they're trying to create. So how do, I mean, aside from your, as you said, you're not going to turn this ship around overnight. There's a, I mean, now you, once you see, once you say it in the way you just said it, it makes a lot more sense now why there's this death grip on the public education system versus homeschooling versus, Mm-hmm. magnet schools. These are the people who are going to be educated away from this system. It's indoctrination, right, exactly. frankly. And they don't want no, anybody. No, it is. It. Okay. That'd yeah, be- it is absolutely is. And that's the whole purpose. There's an article on my website, christianhall.com, called Stolen Education, Stolen Children, Stolen Future, where I, I trace back an outline uh, for the Marxist takeover of our American education system that began in the mid-1800s. And, and the purpose of the American education system is not to educate. The purpose of the American education system is to socially engineer our society. And so the, 
our education system was not designed by educators. Our education system was designed by behavioral psychologists, mm-hmm. who, by the t- by the way, were very open and, not, and and forthcoming with their transparent with their ideology of social engineering. Uh, and then Congress funded it, and then the next thing you know, it's government mandated. So these are the things that have been hidden from us, and and these are the the ways that we discover the solutions to the problems by simply educating others and opening our eyes into uh, the problem. You can't fix something if you don't first see what the problem is. And so that's why education is so important. Now, the encouraging part of this, because somebody might think, well, you know, how, how do we even get beyond this? The encouraging thing is, is we're already moving in the right direction. We're already seeing this. I've been doing this teaching uh, itinerantly across America for, for almost a decade now. And I'm already seeing a change in the way people speak and the way people act. As a matter of fact, all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United States, 10 years ago, you would have never had Supreme Court justices quoting uh, the founders and foundational documents in the history of our Constitution the way they have in the last two years. So now, I mean, now that this is happening, do you see that there – or do you feel – that there's a a movement to put the brakes on this. Is this is this the reason that we're seeing such a aggressive approach on social media platforms to shut down debate, to shut down alternative thinking, somebody who's going to question the status quo? Is this their method oh, of, of course, stopping it? Because if there was, of course, because if there was nothing to resist, there would be no resistance. Mm. Right. So if and I think that in in of itself is is proof of the progress that we're making. You know, 10 years ago, the system was exactly the same. The education is exactly the same. The education hasn't changed in 10 years, but our awareness has changed in 10 years. And so since in the last 10 years, we're seeing more and more opposition. It's because we're opposing more and more the status quo. On that note, let's take our next break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. This is Dr. George from Medicine on Call. Each week I speak about our healthcare system and the problems with it. One of the main problems is the doctor-patient relationship. I've found that patients really crave time, the time to ask their doctor questions, and physicians crave the time to answer those questions in a thorough manner. Towards that end, Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center is pleased to announce a new video telemedicine service. We now offer consultation for second opinions and for people who'd like to learn more and ask questions about how to navigate the healthcare system in a cost-effective and efficient manner. Go to peachtreeentcenter.video-visits.com to learn more. health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, You can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, 
and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Ms. Chris Ann Hall. And I think our conversation is it's becoming clearer that we can't just be idle anymore. We need to actually take responsibility for for our own safety, our own individuality, our own liberty. I mean, it's not something you can just sit back. And your university, is it online? How can people, you know, take one of these courses? Because I think it's it should be mandatory, frankly. If you don't you, you don't know what you don't know, right? Right, that's right. We don't know what you don't know. LibertyFirstUniversity.com is how you sign up, and it's a, a monthly membership. And uh, with your monthly membership, you get access to all the courses that we have online, and we are putting new classes up all the time. Uh, I, I don't even know how many classes that we have up now, but uh, we have things that that reach all the way from uh, the history of our Constitution dating back to 1041 to uh, a, a a new segment of, of classes that I'm developing called Learning from Current Events. So I take a current event issue and then I turn it back upon the Constitution and what the Constitution says about this current event so that we can learn the truth uh, without the, the partisanship, the political bias, and the tribalism that we see in today's uh, pundits and politics mm-hmm. and media. Or do you have a cross-section of people? I mean, are we talking... All walks of life, all parts oh, of the country. Oh yeah, man! I have homeschool students. There, we have a lot of parents who have their homeschool students. Uh, so anywhere from from kids in middle school all the way up through, I have students who who have contacted me. So they have PhDs in American history and mm-hmm. political science, and they have learned more uh, with our online program than they learned in their entire PhD program. That's kind of scary if you're spending thousands of dollars to be educated in these, uh, you know, the the typical universities and you're not getting anything. I would have a problem with that. Well, you spend thousands, yeah, but you spend thousands of dollars for uh, information. I yeah. don't think we actually get education anymore, but we spend thousands of dollars for information. And remember that information is is guided and projected based on uh, the agenda that needs to be be given. Mm-hmm. That's true. So let's let's. I mean, so we don't even teach the Constitution in law school anymore. So uh, we we teach constitutional law. You have law students who will graduate and tell it from top schools tell you they never even looked at the Constitution their entire three years of graduate school. There is something really inherently wrong with that. How can you, if you don't know the the template or something, how something started? How on earth can you practice your craft? I mean, so that means, and I always say this. Is well, because you're now. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, because you're now taught. We are now taught that the Constitution's uh, original intent, the Constitution's meaning as a document, is irrelevant. What's relevant is what the nine oligarchs in the Supreme Court say it means. So all you really have to do is read their opinions, because otherwise the meaning is useless. Oh, that's which crazy. is, once again, the product of that teaching from 1833. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make any sense, though, because you're, there's, it keeps moving. The goalpost keeps moving, depending who's on the court, right? So if you have people who yes, think it's a living document. 
Yeah, but we have to understand, though, that puts all the power in the hands of those in the judiciary. Exactly. So if you're actually a member of the judiciary, you get to be part of that most powerful elite who always gets to move the goalposts. I see that. And I see that now if you look at the immigration system where, mm-hmm. I mean, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the goal or the one of the roles of the president is to protect the country. By any means necessary, if that means you shut down No, that's not the role of the president. Oh, tell me then. <laughs> tell me. Oh, no, that is not the role of the president. See, There's absolutely me. no delegation of power for the president for that goal at all. Oh. The, the goal, yeah, no, the goal of the president is uh, outlined in Article 2 of the Constitution, which none of those are defense of the country. As a matter of fact, the president of the United States, most people think of defense of the country when they talk about being the commander in chief. Mm-hmm. But according to Article 2 of the Constitution, the commander, the, the president is not a commander in chief of anything until Congress gives a formal declaration of war. Oh. So without a formal declaration of war, it's Congress that's in charge of the military. Wow. See, I'm so happy I'm talking to you. I'm learning right here on the fly. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah, the, the, uh. the primary role of the President of the United States uh, is to negotiate treaties, to nominate positions, and to execute the laws that are constitutionally created by Congress. So as immigration goes, mm. uh, Congress has been delegated in the Constitution the authority to make the uniform rule of naturalization. How does somebody become a citizen? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the terms of citizenship? Then it would be the role of the President to enforce the laws created as far as that uh, rule, the rule of naturalization goes. So for for the president, he has to look at the laws created by Congress and then enforce those laws. What we have now is a judiciary that is operating contrary to the laws Congress has made in imposing, opposing the president's uh, constitutional role to execute those laws. So this, um, correct me again if I'm wrong, Congress has laws on the books that say what, who can come into the country, how they come into the country, whether they become a citizen. The president actually is following the rule of law, but the judiciary is thwarting that. Is that what you're saying? Yes. That's yeah, that's so exactly what I'm saying. Part of the problem <laughs> is that, yeah, part of the problem is that uh, many of these laws uh, in and of themselves are unconstitutional because they have they have unconstitutionally delegated congressional authority to the president. So we're operating in an unconstitutional zone as it is. For example, um, the Refugee Act is completely unconstitutional because the Refugee Act doesn't put Congress in charge of the rules of naturalization through refugee system. It puts the president in charge of the rules for refugees, and that is an unlawful delegation of powers. It's actually a violation of separation of powers. So a lot of this becomes confusing because of the federal acts that Congress has made to shirk their responsibilities and hide their own accountability, because it's a whole lot easier to point your finger at the executive than to do your job with propriety and responsibility. Wow. Okay, let me take a segue to that then. Things where they had these treaties um, that gave an unelected body that wasn't U.S.-based power over our country. And signing on to that, I forget, you know, there's like a lot of them, um, TPP and those things. Was that constitutional for the Congress or for that to even be on the table for anybody no, to sign? I no, don't think because so. tr- 
No, because uh, the Congress can't do by treaty what they are not authorized to do by Constitution. And Congress cannot sell its power to foreign authorities. It can't even give its power constitutionally to the president or the judiciary. So any authority by treaty that that allows Congress or some foreign government to do something that Congress has not already delegated the authority by the Constitution is an unlawful treaty, and the states are not bound. Wow, that's amazing. So when the UN is telling us that we need to take in refugees and what's what constitutes a refugee and how many numbers we're supposed to take, we don't. That's kind of, we shouldn't be listening to that basically. No, the state should be telling the, the UN to go take a flying leap. We have no we have no obligation to listen to anything that they say. They have no authority over uh, the people of the United States or their government. Oh my God, you just blew my mind. Let's take our last break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. You're listening to Medicine on Call, where healthcare, business, and current events connect. Are you having problems with persistent bad breath, constant throat clearing, hoarseness, a cough that won't go away, a sore throat, or a feeling that something's always stuck in your throat? Why not find out what the problem is so it can be fixed? At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking time to work with our patients as a team to get to the root of the problem. Make an appointment today to see why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. If you've tried taking over-the-counter medications but still have problems with nasal congestion, recurrent sinus infections, sinus headaches, or a dry mouth when you wake up in the morning, why not fix the problem? From natural integrative treatment to minimally invasive surgery, Peachtree ENT Center will work with you to find the solution that works best for you. Call 404-591-9100 today to make an appointment or visit us at PeachtreeENTCenter.com because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We've been having a very important and enlightening conversation with Ms. Chris Ann Hall, and she's the author of six books on the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. This is somebody who understands the nuance of what it means to be really a citizen in this country. We have given up so many, from what you just described, so many rights, so many things that are just going on, and they're using race and sex and all this subterfuge to, to make us hate each other, and we're not paying any attention to what's going on underneath. So when people tell us that they have a right, I'm sure you've heard this, they have a right to come into our country, it's a human right, they have the right to vote to whatever they want, what's your take on that? Is this just rhetoric? There's, you have no right to be on someone else's property. If you have a right to come into America, then you have a right to be in my front yard. You, I mean, the whole purpose of, of borders is is an extension of the uh, property ownership of the people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that's the whole purpose of government. Government is the extension of the authority of the individual. If, if, the, if those who are there to represent me can't keep people off of my property, then I have no authority as an individual to keep somebody off my property. And so the whole purpose 
of uh, people like to talk about national security and all that stuff. That's not the purpose of, of the rules of naturalization. The rules of naturalization, the purpose is to secure the property of the individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why um, we have, and I believe that that's part of the problem that we have here today. We have muddled the lines between what it means to be a citizen and what it doesn't mean to be a citizen. Uh, citizenship is something that uh, entitles you to be uh, subject to the benefits of, of that association. You're saying, yes, I want to be a part of, of this association. I want to follow the rules of this association so I can have the benefits of this association. Mm-hmm. But when we allow non-citizens to reap the benefits of citizenship, then what we're saying is is that citizenship really has no meaning at all. And that's not what that, that, that's not how societies are built. That's a really good point. And, you know, it, it seems to me that we're one of the only countries in the world that allow this this degree of flouting law and just it's a free-for-all. Can you name any other country that's doing what what the people on the left would like us to do? I, I can't. You know, I don't – I'm not, I'm not familiar enough to actually make that kind of assessment. Mm-hmm. All I can tell you is that – uh, the benefits of citizenship are to be reserved to those who are willing participants in that association. And that's the problem that we have with this idea of, of, uh, muddying the waters. If you're not going to be uh, a willing and lawful participant in the society, then you shouldn't be able to vote. You shouldn't be able to have the taxpayer benefits. You know, I mean, these are all things that come from the association. Uh, you you couldn't do anything like that on the private level. You couldn't go into some organization to which you're not a member and demand <laughs> the benefits of that membership. My goodness, you can't even go to Sam's Club for Pete's sake <laughs> if you're not going to be a member of that association. And that's that's sort of what we're talking about here on on a you know on a macro level. That makes it very clear, frankly. So if you talk about that, then people who are in jail who they're trying to let felons vote just you know, not even serving their time, but just from jail, vote. That doesn't make a lot of sense either From if you use that as your standard. Now, I know that you have to go, but I really want to thank you so much for coming back. And I'd love to have you back on again because I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are with, you know, I think it's the what's the 14th Amendment and the fact mm-hmm. that citizenship was given for a specific group, slaves, but it's being expanded to mean whatever. I mean, I, I'm not sure so that's really... A teaser, just as a teaser for that one, the 14th Amendment is superfluous. <laughs> it wasn't even necessary. It was more of a declaration of the way things are rather than a creation of something new. Wow. we have That's a good teaser. On that note, tell us how we can sign up for your university, find your show, and get your books. It's uh, chrisannhall.com is the website, and there you can access Lizzie First University. You can go to the store. We have T-shirts. We have leggings, phone covers. We have all kinds of Liberty First gear. Our motto is don't just pontificate but educate. And so we're always trying to give people the, you know, the icebreakers on how to make sure that we know how to speak to each other. Let the T-shirts and the and the hoodies and that do do the teaching for you. All the books are there. We have tons of DVDs. And libertyfirstuniversity.com is where you can sign up for all our classes. Oh, I hope people take that to heart and do it. I certainly am going to go in there and, and support. 
because what you're doing is yeoman's work. I really appreciate your time and well, everything you. that you do. It's an honor to, to speak with you, and I hope you'll be able to come back so we can go down another path. That would be great. We're in New York, New York right now, so I've been in teaching in New York since Monday of last. Uh, well, I'll be teaching in New York for 10 days, so mm-hmm. that's, you know, being on the road makes the interviews a little bit more interesting for me <laughs> and challenging, but but we love being on the show nonetheless. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll be right thank back you. after this break. Thank you for listening to Medicine on Call, and thank you, Ms. Hall. Have a blessed day. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Dr. George. I want to thank all my listeners for listening to my show. I'd like you to share it with your friends and become subscribers, and if you miss the show, you can catch it and download it from Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and several other multimedia platforms. You can also find my uh, blog on Medicine on Call on Facebook and my website, DrElenaGeorge.com. Again, thank you for being loyal listeners. Subscribe and share it with your friends. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. This is Dr. George. I learned a lot from that conversation with Ms. Hall, and, and I think it's a lesson that we need to be a lot more vigilant about what we consume and how we consume it in terms of our information. I think there's no substitute for doing your own research, no matter what that topic is, instead of taking someone's word for it. As we discussed on many occasions, you have to think about the underlying, you know, who stands to gain, follow the money, all sorts of things come into play when people are trying to get a response or to make you think a certain way or to make you choose certain options. I personally think that if you're going to choose anything, it should be for the best interest of you and your family, not for your group or your tribe or whatever uh, way that they try to use to divide us and conquer. This is all about us coming together as a country. And I don't believe that we can do that in any other way unless we all have a sense of self and a sense of uh, pride about who and what we are, not as a group, but as an individual. And I think education is the way to go about it. Now, we talk a lot about the Constitution and about our legal system, but I think this dovetails right back to our healthcare system. We are now in a position where uh, uh, many of the of the candidates running for president are speaking about Medicare for All. And I wanted to preview this because it's going to be our next show with Dr. Alita Eck of um, a another visionary, somebody who stepped out on faith and created a system to help people medically who don't have money, who's opened a clinic in New Jersey for free. And every time people talk about there's no answer, that there's only one way to do it with the government, I use and I think of Dr. Eck as an example of want to. This is a doctor who knew the system is not working, who is has a system or knows the system is working against the interest of patients, and created something from scratch because she wanted to. Why can't everybody do that? Why does it have to be the government that decides that? With all the conflict of interest and the hypocrisy and the special interests, there's really, if you really think about it, no way that the government can be supple, nimble enough to work for the individual. 
and maybe it shouldn't, but we have to take our power back. We are now in a position again, another crossroads where there's an election coming and people are going to need to decide if they want to control their own healthcare destiny, their healthcare pocketbook, their choice, or they want that to be taken away by the government because of a promise of getting something for free. Nothing is for free. And as a physician and as a professional and as somebody who spent their life literally pursuing this goal, this dream to help people, I'm going to tell you now that there's no way on earth that a single-payer system where the government controls everything from cradle to grave, from what you, what doctor you see, what medications you're allowed to have, what procedures you're allowed to have, how you live and die, is going to work for everybody. It will not happen that way. And they'll, they'll use the good of the many outweighing the needs of the few mentality to control the system. What else can they do? There's no way they're going to be able to make everything ha- everybody happy and get everything they want, and it's for free. <laughs> I mean, it's laughable just to think about that, really. I think uh, Bernie Sanders has been honest by saying that it's going to be a taxation, uh, yeah, everybody's going to be taxed, dramatically more to cover the system it still won't pay for it you know months ago i had a show on that that uh uh that one of the uh, um think tank uh you know representatives mentioned the fact that if you took everybody's wealth put it together all the you know the one percent taxed everybody it still wouldn't be enough to pay for the system and he's absolutely right the bottom line is Nobody's addressing the, the root cause of the problem, which is the cost of healthcare, and the true cost versus the inflated cost. And you know, Dr. Eck and I will get into this next week. But I, as a, again, as a preview, if there is no true cost, and it changes depending on where you have the procedure or the surgery or the office visit performed, then what is the true value? That's the question. To do the same question, the same surgery. The same doctor and the same equipment, same time, in an outpatient surgery center versus a hospital-based surgery center, and have it cost, you know, sometimes hundreds times more. It's a lot of more money than it is if you don't do it in a hospital setting, and there's facility fees and all these opaque charges that get tacked on with no accountability, and there's no recourse. Then how can that system possibly work? You know, you're going to empower and remove any competition with single payer because the government is going to get to decide the winners and losers. They're going to get to decide what hospital you go to, what doctor you can see, what the price of the procedure should be. And I can tell you from a free market standpoint, if somebody can't afford to stay open, they will stop doing the procedure, which means that the access to care by definition will change. And I don't believe it's going to change for the better. And I can speak for myself and other practitioners who are in solo practice, who stop doing procedures and offering tests and doing things that they used to do because they can't afford to do them and stay open because they're not covered by insurance. And whatever Medicare doesn't cover, or according to the bill that's out there, the private insurance companies are now, I'm sorry, whatever the Medicare covers, the in, private insurance companies will not be allowed to cover they already don't cover cosmetic, and they make everything elective. So you can imagine that they're going to stop covering things that right now they do cover. 
because it's not cost effective. So the system becomes very skewed towards a limited amount of care, cost prohibitive, and access because the, the, the places you can go to have it done are limited, the wait is going to be longer. So I don't find that that's equal for anybody. It's just bad for everybody who gets thrown into the system. And at this point, we need to make a choice again. You need to make it from a position of knowledge and power and not fear and not being browbeaten because you have a question and you put your hand up because you want to know how this is going to work, which is a totally reasonable thing to ask. And it's not racist or sexist or any other ist. It's taking care of you and your family. And if the questions don't get answered, I would I would hope that you would not vote for something on the mentality of you have to pass it to find out what's in it. We've already dealt with that. We're dealing with it for the past 10 years and it's ruining our healthcare system if it's not already ruined beyond repair. So do we want to finish it off or do we want to go down another path where we take our power back and make the system better, make it more affordable, do what the private side and the free market side of medicine has been doing for the past, I'd say, 10, 15 years which is to keep it between the doctor and the patient, have price transparency, have choice, and have medicine, the the practice of medicine, become the forefront again, not the business of medicine. On that note, I'd like to thank you all for listening to Medicine on Call. Um, I'd like to thank um, my listeners outside of the country, which is pretty, pretty exciting. And I look forward to our next show with Dr. Eck. And please subscribe, like me on Facebook, or I should say like Medicine on Call on Facebook. Um, You can follow me on Twitter, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk events.